0: Alex, he's listened to our first episode and then Mike Trap episode. <laughs> See, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ooh.
0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Dungeons & Degrees. My name's Adrian. I'm Alex. And today we have a special guest. Special guest, introduce yourself.
2: Howdy, uh, my name is Rick Perry. I'm the production designer and creative producer for Dimension 20. Awesome.
0: And can you tell me with that, what did you do before then? Or like what games were you in before you kind of got into production designing or actually like designing your own like maps, I guess? Uh,
2: well, I, I uh, actually came at it more from the film side. I've been working in um, film and TV for uh, I think a little over 15 years worked a little bit in New York I worked a little bit in Texas for a couple of years and then uh, mostly in Los Angeles the last like 10 years and yeah I've been I production designed a couple of uh, sketches for College Humor and then they brought me in to uh, interview me for this new actual play show uh, they were starting up they kind of were still figuring out what it was and uh, it Was very early on, and uh, and I had actually just gotten back into playing D and D, and and uh, had played a bunch of um, Adventurers League games, and and was starting to run like a home campaign again, and and so, you know, that was a a good timing, and uh, yeah, and I came on board with them, and and then it was really fun to get to figure out to what the show was going to be, and like at first it wasn't even going to have miniatures or train, and you know we were kind of trying to figure out what that was, and. It was a super collaborative, probably the best. It's really, it's been the best show that I've worked on, I think, just because of the collaborative nature. And they just, they're really trying to make something cool. And and that's fun for me. So
0: That's amazing. I mean, it looks, I mean, to me from the outside looking in, it looks really fun to be part of that kind of system. And also, I don't know. I've never been in a, like a very collaborative team. The closest thing I have to collaboration is back in college, which was very hodgepodge collaboration. So I think that having some like a cohesive team, it sounds like a really fun project and I guess job to be a part of.
2: Yeah, I feel super lucky. It's a we're it's a um, a really fun time in um, tabletop games right now. I just sort of like a golden era and continues to grow. And, and I love that it's such a like progressive, like awesome space, you know, this kind of, that lives a lot online and it just, it's really neat to get to be part of that and be in dialogue with, with other amazing people who are creating stuff, uh, and, and, um, uh, in the space, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to be part of that and contribute a little bit.
0: That's amazing. Alex, do you have any questions before I start just bombarding him? I don't want to step on any toes today.
1: No, no. So as as is tradition in this podcast, I had no idea who we were talking to. Sorry, Rick. (laughs) Besides the fact that, like, you know, a general idea of what you did. And so, of course, I do the Google search. And, like, holy fucking shit. I'm obsessed. I'm a former reformed theater kid and so the oh, idea cool. of the set design is absolutely amazing and so i've, I've pulled up your like, portfolio <laughs> 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 and like looking at the design of the 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 dimension 20 like table i didn't even think about that being something that you would have sat down and done and like holy crap so like i guess i'm gonna jump ahead ahead and i don't care yeah adrian ha <laughs> um, <laughs> how do you how did you do that like how did you what was that process if you don't mind talking about it sure um how did you guys figure out like how big to make it and then it's all like flat on one side like that's so cool anyway sorry i'll let you go
2: (laughs) oh no um uh well first thanks thanks that um holy fucking shit might be the best uh, compliment i've ever gotten so uh thanks for that (laughs) Uh, table nerd (laughs) (laughs) no actually i'm very passionate about the table the table um is something i designed early on and and really put a lot of thought into and it is it was a very i love uh these kind of design challenges where it's like okay We need a table for this show for people to play, you know, six players and one DM to play. There's going to be miniatures in the middle, so they need to be able to reach them. They need to all have space for their character sheets and stuff in front of them. They also need to, the three players on the sides need to be arranged in such a way and close enough that we can do a three shot of the players, you know, so that, in other words, that they all fit neatly in a frame together. But then also you have to, it, this thing when you're shooting at a table like this is a 360 degree shooting environment which means that there's not a lot of places to hide cameras uh so you have to think about where your cameras are going to go in relation to the table and and you have to provide these alleys in between the players where that the camera can cleanly shoot it's it's probably hard to imagine but or it doesn't make sense from the way that i'm describing it but but anyway there was a lot of interesting design challenges and I so I built it in SketchUp and um, you know the neat thing about that is I could actually move the move around the space 3D and kind of see where the cameras would be and see what they would see and I care a lot about you know I wanted the players to have a good experience I wanted it to look cool but also you know wanted them to be able to reach their pieces on the board and and wanted them you know to have enough space for their stuff and and have plenty of knee room and you know all that kind of stuff just because it's it was important and especially you know you're sitting at a table for a 12-hour shooting day or whatever like he wanted to work well so uh, i tried to incorporate all those things and we went through a lot of different designs i think brennan's first design that he handed me in a a meeting you know that he had like scribbled out on a a piece of paper you know had like USB charging stations and, and like cup holders. And it was sort of like, um, you know, like a geek's, uh, dream of, of what they would want for like their home table, you know, (laughs) and, uh, and it, it also, you know, didn't quite have the, all the other things in mind. Like the, some of the players were really far away from the DM and are far away from the board and these kind of things. So, so that, but that was a jumping off point and, and, you know, from there.
1: No, it absolutely looks incredible. and i I'm now like while talking, like looking at the actual set and the dome around it, I don't know what I thought watching, you know, the half season I've seen of <laughs> Fantasy High. I'm sorry, y'all, I'm working on it. No worries. Um, it's
2: a lot of content
1: it's it's a it's a lot, but I love it. And like seeing how this the cameras are set up and then, it makes a lot of sense, but it also looks like it would be really still an intimate, like, D&D. It's not necessarily like, oh, we're out in the open, um, and it, we know it's sort of, you know, we're, we're professionally playing Dungeons & Dragons, but it still feels like it would be an intimate D&D session. So you are, you know, stuck together for 12 hours, but it doesn't feel like it would be like a, a normal production 12 hours, but maybe more hopefully fun than, you know, actual work
2: i think i hope i hope so i think you know it seems like it's worked so far and and yeah i don't know i feel like this show is kind of something special i mean the cast is is really special and i i'm just stoked to get to do stuff that to help them have a really fun game you know
1: yeah yeah it looks amazing it looks really good so if you know i love it i'm also obsessed with this table like i want one Um, but it feels like I don't have a space big enough. So my now goal is to have a space big enough and to commission this beautiful table. I don't need the matte black though. I need the original like plywood on it. Cause that's a beautiful, <laughs> yes. I'm so sad that they covered it up. Now seeing what it looked like. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, yeah,
2: that was the first design or one of the earlier designs of like the finish. I was like, oh, let's do like this cool, like modern wood grain, you know? Cause I just thought it was classy. and. And we just went with a black, and it's actually you know just painted black. So that early on, the idea was like, oh, we could repaint the table if we wanted to for different seasons, which we have never done. But uh, but it just the idea was just that it would kind of go away rather than sort of pop out. But maybe for your house, probably yeah, wood grain would look a lot nicer. Yeah, let's go. I'm
1: here for
2: it. It is big though. (laughs) You gotta have a big big room. Yeah, I mean with you
1: know seven people at a table and then a whole set. And you know, watching it, it doesn't look like it would be that big, like it feels like it would still be, I don't know, fine. But now, looking at the proportions and then actually thinking about the size of human beings, like that's absolutely incredible. And it's, I'm sure, a feat and beautiful. And you did, I mean, I don't think I could give you enough words right now. I'm just obsessed Uh-oh, with thank it. Thank you
2: so much.
0: <laughs> I keep looking around my room, <clears throat> and like I could fit that and then only that in my room, and that's
2: it. And that's it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to sleep on it or under it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, I
1: think I'd even pull out like that dome kit as well, and just have that set up for actual like D and D sessions. So then it could be like a statement piece, but like be like, "No, leave me alone. We're playing Dungeons and Dragons."
2: (laughs) I'm in the dome. Do not enter.
1: (laughs) It has those like parachute vibes from like your elementary school days, right? When you go into the gym and it's like that primary colored parachute
2: yeah yeah and you know it's um it's, so it's a geodesic dome it was uh it was actually sam reich the um who's like the executive of college humor his idea to uh was we were coming up with different set ideas to um build something that looked like you know a poly- polyhedral die, and then you know people use these geodesic domes for like greenhouses or just for you know a novel place to live or whatever and so so we went with that it's amazing.
0: <laughs> I always love seeing it change colors and everything kind of keep Yeah, it. and it's very unfortunate that you don't get to see it as much in these later seasons, but you know, the
2: pandemic, we yeah. have
0: to change with the times for a bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can get back in there soon. Mm-hmm.
0: So what was your, what did you do while the pandemic was happening? Cause I know you still worked with them, but just more of a 2d based kind of set design
2: yeah well so about this time last year actually um we were spinning up on a couple of seasons actually before, maybe before we got kind of locked down but and then there was just kind of like well let's just pause a few weeks well, let's pause a few more weeks you know it we sort of like it was this kind of slow thing we're just probably like a lot of other people trying to figure out what was happening so we were working on a full-length season and then um we decided, uh, oh, actually, let's work on this mini season that will be, that was Mice and Murder. So, uh, and then after I was like a month or two deep into that, they were like, oh, actually let's do, let's go ahead and do this Unsleeping City 2, um, but we're going to do the Roll 20 maps. And, and they had found, um, I think Sam found a Eightfold Paper and and had talked to them. And, and so I just kind of stretched and, and... Even though I was already working on *Mice and Murder*, I uh, cranked out designs for all those battle maps, and then um, and then kind of, you know, gave them notes. And so they were working on them, and I was working in the shop. I have one person, I have one person who like joined our bubble, uh, Shane Brockway, who's a lead painter and a model maker. And so basically, he and I did all the stuff for for *Mice and Murder* this summer, in our little little bubble. Nice, yeah. I'm,
0: I'm excited to see what's going on with Mice and Murder. I'm excited. Uh, I think there's definitely some minis in terrain. Heck yes, because <laughs> I saw like Brendan has the, the the map in front of him, or like the not the map, but the the, the desk in front of him.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like a the DM screen insert. Um, we did one uh, for Mice and Murder, and and then um, we also did did a bunch of uh, minis and terrain. So. I feel like people will be happy. I'm excited to see it.
0: As am I. I want to talk about like your own games. Do you have anything going on right now? You're playing or anything on pause right now?
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> sadly, none of my games uh, are as <laughs> decked out with um, uh, minis and train, you know. But uh, I do use that stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I play in a Dark Sun Fifth Edition game online that I've been in for maybe over a year, which is really fun We play like once a month. And I'm also playing right now in a Colonial Gothic game, which is like, uh, it's set in the American Revolution. It's sort of like Cthulhu, revolutionary Cthulhu or something. It's really kind of an interesting intersection. And I'm running a, a Dark Astral game. Dark Astral is like the space horror subset of Swyhander which is a system mm-hmm. and I'm running that for my wife and a friend of ours who lives here with us is in our bubble and then a couple people online uh, so I have a interesting that's an interesting one where I set up a table with a DM screen and my wife and our friend sit next to me and then we have a laptop on the other end of the table with two other players who are you know what is it, Google Hangouts I uh, think is what we use and they uh, Skype
1: in
0: that's what, awesome. are
2: you, what are y'all playing right now? Alex,
0: I don't know if you have had any time. I know you've been very busy recently.
1: <laughs> no, we have, I have suspended the game with my family. I am actually starting a session zero on Sunday. That's exciting. That's news to yeah. me. <laughs> I know. Well, I just, I just remembered that I had it. One of my friends from high school that I haven't talked to since high school... Um, (laughs) you know, just like posted, like they were looking for a game and they were wanting to put one together and I was like, you know what, I'll do it. It legitimately a friend that, well, I see, I say friend loosely because I think the last time we actually like talked to each other was like middle school or like ninth grade. So like it's been a hot minute, but nothing like D&D to bring random people together. So I have yet to actually roll a character. I haven't actually thought about what exactly I want to play. I was kind of hoping that the rest of the, like, group would say what they wanted and I would just fill in. But nobody else has said, despite the fact I've asked, like, three times, like, what do everyone want to play? And they were like, we're playing D&D. And I was like, bitches, like, already we're here.
2: <laughs>
1: so was, do, like, those,
2: do they, maybe they don't have a lot of experience or?
1: I think some of them, I think, I don't really know. I think one is another player, like a normal, like a normal player, like a normal <laughs> A regular d and d I think maybe we have one new, new person, but I don't know anybody. So not only am I meeting new people and exploring the idea of, of talking to people outside of my normal friend group and then remembering how to communicate with adults-ish people. They also have not allowed me to... They have not helped me in my decision-making of figuring out what character I want because they are not telling me what characters they're playing in. So I can't rely on, I'm just going to fill in whatever is left. No, I've, I've got to do this on my own.
0: Boo. <laughs> well, you got this. You've been, <laughs> you've, I know, I think that, I think when you said like, you got to act different, like, Oh, what's that new person feel where like, you've been so comfortable with the, you know, your homes or your friends and meeting new people, you have to put on this kind of facade. Just like, yes, I am. I am somewhat normal. Uh, I am person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am person.
0: Yeah. Um, right now, yeah, I only pl- play or, um... Hopefully,
1: it'll be fun. I have no idea. If you guys have any ideas of types of character, I'm here. Like, if you're like, oh, you should definitely, or I think it'd be fun to do, I'm here for the lack of decision making <laughs> that I have.
0: You can either fill in. Ooh. What I would suggest either fill in a healer role or a frontliner role, because those are nice. Or just you know, I think those are the two that are kind of cornerstones to a, a nor- like I guess quote unquote normal game. Or you can try say, hey, let's all just be rogues and see how that works. That'd be fun.
1: Oops! All <laughs>
2: rogues. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I was just gonna say I have a strategy sometimes uh, where I'm trying to figure out a, a character and I uh, have never, or I can't, you know, nothing is coming to me where, uh, you know, I feel like I have biases against certain like races or classes or whatever. It's like, I've never played that cause it just doesn't sound interesting. And so I will force myself to play whatever it is, uh, and find a way to kind of love it. And it, it creates like a creative challenge that ends up being really interesting. And then by the end, you know, I'm like passionate about the character or whatever.
1: Oh no! I have to make choices. I can't actually about <laughs> that. Um, while you were talking, I also like I could just like let the dice decide and not actually have to do it. And that's the universe sign showing me what character development I need as a person through my character development of my random fantasy character. Right. It's
2: a it's a great way to do it. Actually, there <laughs> there are a lot of systems that have that in there where it's like. Uh, you you randomly roll all everything all of your stats and uh and your class and subclass and all that stuff and then um and then you just have to figure out like who is this person like what you know who is this person based on all of these things like what what happened in their life that led them to this point it's, it's a fun fun game you can play
1: well here we are thank you for helping me y'all i appreciate it
2: yeah
0: i was trying to find this website It was just like a random like character generator with like with one flaw. It would just say you're a halfling warlock that has a obsession over shoes or like, it's just some ridiculous like one liner to like start your character off.
2: That's
1: awesome.
0: (laughs) I can't find it. I just remember just hitting refresh over and over on that thing and just like laughing at all the things and having all these ideas. It's been, I don't know where it is. I think this was like six years ago (laughs) or something.
2: Yeah, that would be great for NPCs too. That's awesome.
0: Oh yeah,
1: well, that is a good idea.
0: I guess to, to, just to drop in what I'm playing right now, it is and... a I gotta say it, Curse of Strahd <laughs> game, with um ah. yes, I've been playing it for a year. I have so many ideas. I need to just stop having ideas and start planning for the end. <laughs> and I think that that's I hopefully after this game I can take some of the players that i have now and start hopefully streaming it to i guess to a twitch stream and then play what's the new one that came out rhyme of the frost maiden i want to play that so bad oh cool because tens towns i've i've read about it before Uh, there's just just such a weird culture between it and i think the cold having a factor into play uh makes everything a little bit more deadlier
2: so i'm super excited about that That sounds awesome. That's uh, so. You, how many sessions have, are you into, uh, Curse of Strahd? Oh, how many weeks have
0: there been in a year? <laughs> like, <laughs> is that fifty-four? Y'all play once a week, huh? Yeah, we play once a week. Uh, we've skipped right like now. three or four due to you know multiple people not showing up, or I couldn't be there for, as the DM. Um, but we've been going for a while. It's this next week, I'm having a break because the the story is starting to speed up. It's starting to like gain traction things are coming together and the finale is about to be upon us and i see it and I've, I've brought a lot of like toys to play with for them and i'm like this needs to coalesce into something this needs to come together at a certain point and i'm still kind of like i need a break i need to just lay out the pieces and then connect the dots and then prepare mm-hmm. for the final thing because like at some point i gotta end this thing
2: <laughs> yeah that's awesome
0: Oh yeah. It's exciting and very it's scary too.
2: <laughs> sure, yeah. Because
0: yeah. I like I see these people online and they the how they storytell or how they wrap everything with a bow and I'm just like, "How?" Like I, I cuz usually my games fizzle out before we get to that point. You know, just life happens. I move, I graduate, all these things. But now I've had this this group for a year and I'm just like well, now what? I've never been this far before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, the pressure's on. The stakes are high. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's I, I really admire that uh in I mean I well, I think it's really cool that you've had a game going that long for that many sessions and are going to complete a full book. It's it's really cool. But but to what you're saying, like I really admire players and in, in DMs that have that sense for story, you know, um, and, and can just intuitively, you know, bring things, you know, the way they're supposed to and land, you know, perfect beats. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a special thing. And of course, you know, it's something that develops over time and and through practice and whatever, but very cool. It's very gratifying to watch.
0: Yes. I think that I've been slowly becoming more, more better wow English Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think I've been a better DM over time and I have done something like I've messed up before but my players have been very forgiving and understanding and like when I do homebrew stuff I'm like all right let's set it up this thing this thing I'm about to give you it has an asterisk okay I'm testing it out I don't know what it if what it'll do to my game so it might change in the future (laughs) so I've been have I've been very blessed to have that like group understanding of how I do things and run. And they've just been very good, nice people. Like it was like half new people and half veterans and the veterans weren't too like, Hey, you need to do this. Or, Hey, you need to do that. They've been very like, here's what you could do, but you can just do whatever you want or whatever your character believes. They've been very good about, you know, I don't want to say like staying in their lane, but like not trampling on the new people and not making them an enjoyable
2: time. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, everybody at a table, I think, has a, you know, is, is part of it. And you're all working together to keep the dream alive, you know, so to speak. Like, keep keep air in the balloon and and everything, hopefully, you know. All
0: right. I guess the question I'm going to direct to you is how, what's your longest uh, game you've had?
2: Oh, you know, I didn't even mention this. Um, I knew there was a game I was forgetting. I also play in a fifth edition game that is a evil campaign. And I, I must be, like coming up on two years that we have played pretty steadily. Um, I don't think we're, uh, we probably don't have as many sessions logged as as you, but uh, some, somewhere in like, I think up to 30 sessions or maybe 40 uh, over two years. Yeah, it's pretty good. I play, that was a game where I was trying to figure out my character and I, I've just never been that interesting as uh, in tieflings as characters. I just, I don't know, the, the kind of classic red devil thing aesthetically i just always felt kind of kind of bored by and and at least from the outside and and so i challenged myself to make a atfli character and and his name is egg and i love him he's great <laughs> he's a wizard i love it I've...
1: i kind of like that idea too of like the the like old school tattoo like devil type character so even just like i don't know i have a bunch of tattoos i guess so then thinking of, like, okay, how would I take one of these tattoos and then make it a D&D character huh. kind of sounds like an interesting challenge as well.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know, That I guess that's the thing I'm into is sort of like, you know, these creative games or something where it's like you sort of give yourself something to kind of jam off of or, or you have a objective that you have to hit or something that helps you um, come up with something.
1: Well, my brain is buzzing. He was just
0: thinking about tattoos and making them into characters now?
1: Yeah, like, how would you, you know, how would you that might... So I'm not thinking about my tattoos, because my tattoos are all real nerdy and whatnot, but my brother has some really weird abstract tattoos, because he's a hipster. And, (laughs) you know, thinking about putting backstories to his tattoos, I think would, one, drive him crazy, because he already doesn't like Dungeons & Dragons, but two, would be just fun and creative enough to be it would be really it would be really fun but also it would be fun to annoy my little brother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, I have a question about your sets. Which one was like the hardest to undertake or like or most elaborate, one of the two?
2: I don't know what goes um, into it
0: or the proper terminology.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean um it's it's like they're all different, you know, for the most part and and Occasionally, we get one that is a little bit easier to pull off, just just by chance. But um, a lot of times, it's they, they have a lot of challenging things to figure out. Part of it comes from just the fact that you know, in, on Dimension Twenty, it's you know, it's a it's an anthology show, so every season is like a different setting. But the settings are never like conventional settings; they're always like some kind of mashup. You know, so like Fantasy High is like an American high school, but with elves and orcs and and uh that kind of stuff and and it's in it's actually it's like kind of like an american city that's in an actual fantasy world so so that's a mashup of those two things which means you know things like skater dwarves is not a miniature that you can just go and buy you know that's a really cool idea but you have to actually figure out how to make it if you want to have it be on screen so so a lot of times the challenges come from that but then also sometimes it's from just stuff that we want to try and do that's neat like you know, uh, in, in the first season of Unsleeping City, I think it's it's an early battle. I think it's the second battle, maybe. So, so maybe this won't be too big of a spoiler, but they're fighting in a sewer system, and essentially they're in, like, a big chamber, like a sewage chamber, and uh, there's a bad guy high up on a ledge at the other end, and he is uh, raising the water every round. So every round the water comes up, which means that we had to you know, we wanted to represent that with these sheets of plexiglass. So that, so every round the water comes up five feet, which is one inch, you know, or two or 10 feet or whatever it was. And so we had to cut all these plexiglass pieces to, you know, make it fit. So that's an aspect too, which is, which is uh, not only making something that is kind of insane, but also it's going to be handled by humans who are playing their game who are not gonna be touching it as gently or necessarily as like, you know, they're in the middle of making a show, you know, they're not thinking about how to like be the softest with it, you know, so you have to kind of build things in a way that it's intuitive and and uh, will stand up to, to being played with, you know?
0: Yeah, like I'm gonna grab this. It's like, oh, that was the one way you weren't supposed to grab it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to look at it and
2: be like, oh, how if you just walked up to this how would you pick it up and then if if that's the way then you got to make it where it's going to be you know easy to pick up that way
1: prop building is the best i'm just i have to make it just durable enough but not so durable that it looks ridiculous
2: yeah right and we're and we're also fighting budget and time you know as well There's it's always uh, a really intense thing where we're, we're always racing against the clock. Cause we, you know, we have a certain amount of money that we have to spend and want to get the most that we can out of it and not overspend. And, you know, so it's, it's always a challenge.
1: That's fair. What's your favorite, I guess, proper or mini or some ridiculous set piece set something that you've done. What's like your favorite?
2: Um, Probably the, I think probably the thing that I still think is maybe my favorite I don't know. I I made something uh, recently that y'all probably won't be able to see for a long time, but uh, that I'm pretty excited about. But before that, probably the DM screen for um, Crown of Candy, um, which was the season that is a mashup of Candyland and Game of Thrones. So... uh, you know all the different factions are like the vegetable people from vegetania and the fruit people of fruitopia and uh, <laughs> this kind of thing and so we build these kind of elaborate dm screens that go in front of uh, our dungeon master brennan and it's a kind of a we attempt usually the attempt in the dm screen is to sort of provide like a visual manifestation of kind of the entire season without without like giving away spoilers or you know it's sort of like being explicit and vague at the same time and also being evocative and helping to like transport the players and the, the viewers to this world so for that dm screen since the land is made out of food we cast a whole bunch of soap molds of foods like apples and pork chops and whatever and, and so i had these like plaster pieces of food and, and i was sculpting this land you know mountains and you know banana peaks and strawberry hills and flat tomato slices for planes and crackers and all this kind of stuff and uh it was really fun (laughs) (laughs) to paint it all up these crazy colors and stuff yeah so you know i feel like it turned out good and uh it was a really fun one to uh work out
1: i have two things one i'm really sad we didn't make the grab for strawberry fields so everyone (laughs) has that earworm in their head now yeah yeah um but two i just now realized that that's a dm screen like that's the purpose of having that up on the set so there's that too that that those are incredible they are incredible and i didn't even realize that they were serving a purpose of being a dm screen versus just being something to look at because it's really fucking cool well,
2: thanks just- yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i mean that's that's exactly it it's, it definitely gives Brennan space back there to, to keep his stuff secret but but also and you know they they'll go and shoot close-ups of it for like the title sequences like that which is always fun too
1: yeah i just thought it was like just regular set dressing like oh okay this is like the vibe that we have but no it's it's serving an actual functional purpose so function and form combined I'm sure combined. if you went to college, <laughs> if you went to college, someone is really proud. <laughs> not assuming that you didn't, not at all. Just assuming oh, that yeah.
2: I did. I went not. to college in Texas.
1: <laughs> okay, we're we're at Texas, Texas, Texas. Like,
2: uh, yeah, that? yeah. I went to uh, North Texas, actually in Denton.
0: Oh, UNT. Yeah. Uh, my mm-hmm. brother went there. He went there it's for a good couple school. Years. Oh yeah, especially for the arts. They have pretty good uh, music yeah. and stuff. Fartsy, artsy. yeah Yeah, i went to a when i went to go visit him the the guy at the gas station right next to the he was practicing his piano stuff on like a piece of paper like while he was on shift and i'm like this is the vibe this is all just
2: artsy school all around (laughs) that jazz program is no joke it is real hardcore oh boy
1: yeah no me we're in the middle of nowhere. I drove through Denton on the way to Lubbock because I liked the back way until I ran over hogs. Like no, no. Like Thirty minutes outside outside of Ulton, which hopefully someone loves that that Olton is being <laughs> referenced. Uh, but yeah, we ran over three baby pigs, three baby hogs. Uh huh. Murdered, Sad.
2: slaughtered, slaughtered. Yeah
1: only pulled off the bumper of my car thank goodness
0: but <laughs> yeah animals in the middle of the road are pretty common especially because you have to drive so much in texas i almost hit a deer yeah. like once twice or three times heading to lubbock and man it's just like i'm like starting to fall asleep because it's like six like four hours into my six hour drive and i'm just like oh fudge and then this- like crank a turn out and back in. I'm like, okay, I'm good for the next two hours. I'm good. I'm like adrenaline rush. Let's just keep this good drive going.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm very concerned about your driving.
2: yeah. You got to stop and take like a 15 minute nap. Gosh, it's, that, that's the secret. It oh, will yeah. rejuvenate you. If you, if you ever, anybody out there who's listening to this right now, driving and you're feeling tired, pull over and take like a 15 minute nap and, uh, and you'll be good. Oh yeah. I, for the most part I, I end up
0: either sleeping in the gas by the gas station in Sweetwater or Junction. And those are my two stopping points for gas. Oh, so much so much land to cover when driving back to college.
2: <laughs> yeah. Texas is a
0: big I hate state. It. Oh yeah. I
1: was not. I was not a driver. I would always ride with somebody else or I flew. Wow. <laughs> no. no. Mm mm. I also didn't have a car until, like, I almost graduated. Oh, wow. So,
0: Well, th- there's yeah. that. There's that reason. That's a big there's... reason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not really, I only had the last year in my grad school that I had the option. So if you're a parent, you don't have to give your child a car when they turn 16. You can wait until they turn 21. <laughs> and they'll make it work and hate driving because it's now a chore. <laughs> not cool. <laughs>
2: I don't know i like road trips I, lo- I do like driving when i get the chance but when i first moved to uh los angeles i uh i worked at the warner brothers lot for almost two years um working on a bunch of different like variety reality shows like um america's best dance crew and what is another one sing off and my job was uh kind of shopping for them so they would be like okay we need 12 sparkly pink hula hoops as quick as you can go and so then i would get in my truck and then drive around los angeles you know going to every toys r us until i have found you know after like i've been to like five and i and i have the 12 pink hula hoops and i'm coming back to the lot and then they would call me and be like okay cancel the hula hoops we need seven green canes and so that i would go back out and drive around <laughs> so i would spent so much time in my truck that i you know just kind of made peace with the like, traffic and listened to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks and things like that but anyway i got to where i liked it because it was kind of like i made my truck my space and it was my time to like listen to fantasy novels or whatever and uh, <laughs> you know drive around
1: that's like a really intense game of supermarket sweep but
2: <laughs> but my
0: job <laughs> But, money yeah, and exactly. yeah, but I get
1: paid you actually get paid you're not just competing for it
0: true <laughs> Any, okay hold up she Alex Alex t- take the wheel hold
2: up <laughs> take the wheel
1: oh no no so I guess what did you what did you go to school for uh what, uh, what is your actual academic background
2: yeah so uh In, uh, at North Texas, I studied, uh, drawing and painting. So fine arts, I got a BFA and then I I did a lot of like big oil paintings and like kind of subversive performance art and, uh, fun stuff like that. And then I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, you know, with that degree. And I moved to New York and got into film production up there and and then I moved back to Texas for a couple of years and I joined the IOTC, which is the filmmaking, um, union, uh, as a carpenter. So I worked on like prison break and some big shows building sets. And I did greens work also, which is like landscaping, but for movies and, and then I started doing more production design and art directing. And I wanted to do more directing and writing and kind of explore more filmmaking. And so I, I moved out to Los Angeles. And then I got I got into the um, MFA program at UCLA for directing. So I, I did that actually, I took like, three and a half, four years, and went and did that. And then and then I've been working as a production designer, mainly I also write and direct stuff, make music videos and other kind of stuff when I can.
1: So fine art to the chief arts, I see. Yes,
2: I'm a master of the fine arts.
1: Oh.
0: (laughs) I think that's really, I mean, listening to like where you've been, where you've gone, when you came back, when you went back to school to kind of like get back into it again. I think that's the journey. Just listening to it is just amazing. Thanks. Uh, Yeah. So it's it's something that I'm currently trying to work with my own self. (laughs) It's like, so like, I think when I'm hearing it from somebody else's, point of view like yeah i went around i did my thing i came back i went to you know you said ucla and then i went back out there and like okay so the my dream of going back to college isn't like totally bizarre because part of me was always like i might get stuck here or something i don't know so I, i'm,
2: I'm I, yeah go ahead it's totally yeah it's a it's a especially in filmmaking or you know in tv and film in the in the industry you know it's like people kind of want to put you in a box in a certain way, you know, and it's like, if you're good at building sets, then, um, for instance, then, then people think of you as like, Oh yeah, that's, that's the guy that built sets. We should get him to build our set, you know? But if you're like, Oh, I, I got this, you know, script I wrote, or I got this thing or, you know, or I'm a director or whatever. They're just sort of like, yeah, yeah. Just build this thing. I need you to do just do what I need you to do for me, you know? And, so also that industry is really competitive and it's really kind of hard to get in with a crew or or get kind of like it's sort of you kind of have to break in so to speak and then and then you're kind of locked in and you kind of work on every job you know when they call you you got to say yes or they call somebody else and so for me wanting to kind of move upward in the from just kind of being executing someone else's visions to actually being the one who gets to create the visions I had to kind of step away, and and for me, that's what grad school was about was kind of like getting time to just just do what I just be the the version of myself that I wanted to be, not the carpenter, but the production designer and the director and the producer and stuff. And uh, also, I got to meet a whole bunch of other people who were doing that same kind of stuff, you know. So I have all these amazing peers, and you go through this you know intense experience together, and so you create these bonds with people and. And those people only know you as whatever you say you are, you know, so, so they don't know you as the set builder or whatever. And, and yeah, so it's a, and of course you, obviously you learn a lot of stuff too, but yeah, actually that's how I got this job. I was, um, the producer, there was, I was working on these, uh, college humor sketches for a producer who was one of my classmates at UCLA. And, uh, and then she pulled me on to dimension 20 when she uh, worked on that first season. So.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense with like having the fine art background and having like the different ways that you got to produce art. And I could see, you know, even being in community theater of like the different hats that you end up wearing because you just are excited or passionate or it's just that fun, creative outlet. You know, it may not be my outlet, but I'm here to build a set because... I can also sort of start to visualize that in my head and I want to be able to do that. But I'm it's it's nice to hear that you haven't just been like pigeonholed in one thing and that you've really been able to, you know, bring a lot of different creativity, especially in your life. But, you know, we as the viewers get to enjoy it and it's very evident that you are, you know, work really hard well, to you. have all those different things. You're very welcome, you know, even just aesthetic we can bring it back to the table the aesthetically the table is beautiful but then you have to put on the black coat of paint so it looks good on camera (laughs) which is unfortunate but you know we suffer for our art don't we
2: yes (laughs) yes we you know that's the thing is you don't get to make all the decisions it is a collaborative effort (laughs) (laughs) but that's a good thing too so
1: I love that i would (laughs) i would absolutely just i don't know if i'd fight for the table i think i'd fight for something else too so that's fair (laughs) what
2: uh what was your what was your community theater experience
1: so i literally needed a place to to go while i lived in lubbock that wasn't lubbock and so i ended up joining a theater company that did a lot of summer productions like that was their thing and then they did amphitheater productions so in the middle of texas summer in the middle of the desert mm-hmm. next to the one body of water in the whole area i became very familiar with how to best put on bug spray and sunscreen because the sun didn't go down until like after you know, like halfway through act 1 So I started off singing and dancing and the background there. And then I ended up going with another, another crew that was doing, you know, one of the churches did like musicals every February. And so just to get the keep on going, you join there and then you meet people. And then I did meet somebody through the church group that introduced me to Lubbock community theater. And I like, that's where I set my hat. And from there I did children's shows, I was on adult shows. My husband murdered me in Jekyll and Hyde. It was beautiful. We were <laughs> never closer as a couple than. That's awesome. <laughs> and then I ended up doing a lot of the children's theater and directing and doing camps. And so.
2: Cool. You,
1: know, you just go around and set build and set design and direct. and. I even choreographed Cinderella, which was a nightmare, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Oh, I miss live theater. I miss being a part of it. I miss, you know, I think even if I was exhausted now, I'd probably still be in a show <laughs> ah, if it was available.
2: <laughs> yeah, not a lot of theater happening right now, but,
1: but we can I, record it.
2: Yeah. I I really like that uh, kind of stuff where you get to kind of do a little bit of everything. And and that's a cool thing for me about um, Dimension 20 is just, yeah, it's a lot of like design and build, you know, so I get to really have hands on and do a lot of different jobs. And that's just kind of fun for me. But yeah, I could see how community theater would be a lot of fun.
1: I could see where, you know, working on the sets for Dimension 20 would also be really fun because it's not a big giant set, but you still have that like same level of intensity but you know may not take as much I guess brute physical strength of like putting together a big set but you get sort of that like satisfaction of like oh we did this really detailed and intricate like beer pong table and it was beautiful but I didn't have to like lug a table around I could just like pick it up with my hand just place it there
2: <laughs> totally yeah it's like a whole different set of skills that then uh, building a, a you know miniatures work is a whole other thing that um i kind of had to pick up from a lot of other much more talented uh model makers than i am but uh yeah it's a, it's a different uh different bag of tricks adrian yes 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 <laughs> Did back.
1: you collect yourself
0: yeah i get I, I start stumbling over my words and then i just like gotta recuperate a little <laughs> make sure that my words aren't just like spilling out yeah i'm fine
1: he says to his ADHD co-host.
0: I I know. I just, it just gets in my head and I'm just like, Oh no, the words aren't working anymore. How do I hard (laughs) reset without just having a big old pause? And that's why where Alex comes in and saves me. (laughs) Yeah. I was wondering, okay. So I had a question. So there was a couple like minis that weren't used in some of the seasons. Uh Um, which one did you kind of like wish that got some sort of screen time
2: well there's usually there's not a ton of stuff that we don't use because you know we anytime um a company is spending money on something they want to you know you want to get that production value out of it mm-hmm. so so we we actually try not to build too much that we're not gonna use because of that it's it's just sort of ends up being um you know a waste of resources we'd rather put it on screen but yeah, I don't know. I, there was two ma- there's two maps from uh, Unsleeping City 2 that didn't make an appearance that I think they might I think they might be releasing them at some point. I don't really know if they maybe it's something I can't talk about yet, but um it's okay. but anyway, there was yeah, two full battles it. that we designed that that were fully fleshed out with maps and uh, tokens and stuff that they didn't use in the show. Oh, that's cool yeah sorry exciting, cool
0: ones. exciting little insight um i can cut it if yeah. you need me to cut it <laughs>
2: no no I, I i think i probably shouldn't talk about what they are yet but uh but i it's i think it's fine to say that there's there's two full battle maps that didn't get used mm-hmm. i think Brennan uh... is really good at uh at using this stuff too like going back to what you were talking about um of of you know having the like improv or i guess it's like improvised like in the moment kind of story instinct to be able to like land the campaign or whatever you know yeah. um Vernon is just like the best that i've ever seen at it and um it's really neat because i i have this very particular perspective because i work with him to like design a battle you know that you know for instance in blood keep which is the season about the the kind of lieutenant villains of of a um, Sauron uh, Sauron type of character in in Lord of the Rings and what happens to them after he dies basically, and uh, as they're trying to like get the hell out uh, and save themselves as mm-hmm. the armies of light are descending. So, so anyways that that campaign goes way off the rails kind of in this moment, and I'm and I'm sitting there watching them tape, and I know that in ten minutes the episode has to be over and and that they have they're in a completely different part of the whole world map and somehow brandon has to get them back to to where they were and up on this tower and into this airship uh for this airship battle and i know that because i built the airship it's sitting right next to me it's, it's what they're fighting in next and, it, and and i'm just thinking like man if i was dming i would be so freaked out and nervous like how are how are you going to get from there to there you know but he does it. He does it every time. And uh, it's just, I'm in awe of, uh, of that kind of, um, you know, intuitive, uh, uh, you know, I, I just only, can only imagine what's going on in his head uh, as he's, you know, mm-hmm. figuring figuring that out.
0: Yeah, that I guess that was, I just, you know, popped it back in my head, like, are these sets is there a storyline that they, that are set up on that Brennan has to kind of like lead them from point A to B, or is it like kind of more convoluted where it's like, okay, he can go to any of these sets at this time, but he has to end on this set kind of thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um it's, it's definitely not like, I mean, the sets are, are pre built, you know, like months, like we start designing them like months in advance. And I think that that is actually a, a place where usually what happens is like the concept for the world comes along and and will have some ideas and things right away We're like oh yeah there should be a battle here and this should happen and there should be these monsters or whatever but usually that's that's it and then they do character creation which you know always informs the world and the the kind of even the genre of like oh is this going to be like you know a procedural where they're like you know like a who done it, or is this going to be whatever you know that that sometimes is informed by what characters are created and what their own journeys are going to be i think uh Brennan folds that into into the world building so then we go through and we we build you know we come up with all these ideas with a, on like a big kind of whiteboard of the sets knowing that like okay there's going to be a battle every other episode or a battle every three episodes and uh, we kind of pound that out over a week or two, kind of revisiting it, and and then I go away and start sourcing it and making this stuff. And um, I think that that uh, probably helps friends to some degree, gives them some like kind of guide rails. But but the, result, the whole rest of it, I don't really know anything about, you know, other than what he tells me in those meetings. I don't. So so watching them tape, you know, uh, it's like, oh, this is this is amazing. This is all this other part of this world that I. Don't know about you know because I just know about in a very specific way what's happening in this battle, who the bad guys are, you know what the objective is, th- these kind of things, you know. And and sometimes as I'm building the sets out, I will hit him up for more details. Like, well, what well, listen, in this food world, you know, like, are the people like is it is everybody like food? Like, is that guy like a drumstick, or can there be people that look more humanoid and they and maybe their body's just made of like chicken <laughs> or and what do they eat can they eat each other you know like like i need to know the answer to these things <laughs> because i have <laughs> to make it all the logic work in the world you know like when i put food on a banquet table you know
0: yeah uh <laughs> I, that's this another aspect of your set design that i didn't realize that you had to like kind of go through just like okay i got this kind of this section i need more depth to make to fill out these sets <laughs> you know i think that's funny
2: yeah yeah it's a fun fun thing
1: that's kind of neat to know that even on the back end like you have an idea of where the story needs to go you're still like oh, what's gonna happen <laughs> uh, it's that it has to be you know part of the magic of of brendan like obviously yeah it's,
2: a, it's really <laughs> weird to be so involved in a campaign and in, in this early like Infant stages, and then be kind of hands off once it is rolling. You know, it's like it's it's so odd to like I contribute a lot in this kind of early stage, and I and I contribute to some very specific things, but then I just walk away and I'm just a viewer like everybody else, you know, and and get to see where it goes. It's really fun. That's awesome. Um,
1: That's exciting. Yeah. I'm happy to know that it it's just as magical backstage as it is in front.
2: The cast is really amazing. But I mean,
1: oh, I I yes it's weird i mean i'm i'm still new so i guess i'm not talking as an expert (laughs) of dimension 20 um i somehow missed that train and then missed it a couple more times even though we had a podcast and then i was on the train and then
2: well you got a job it's all good
1: no it's fine fine. no there's
2: no worries there's (laughs) you know there's so much content out there especially in the actual play space, you know, it's just, there's just so much to, to catch up on all the time. It's really hard.
1: All the time. Do you have a favorite, like, D&D podcast? Besides ours and obviously, like <laughs> like, besides the obvious, right?
2: Right, um, yeah. Well, I listen, I've listened to every episode of y'all's show three times. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I just, now I'm waiting for the new episodes. But, uh, no, I, I, I like Critical Role a lot, actually it's kind of a different genre in a certain way it's i mean it's funny but it's it's not like it's not comedians in the same way but the i think those performers are uh really like you know they're all voice actors and and actors and they have a really good sense for story and story beats and they just dance really well together yeah so that's a fun show to like catch up on and i don't know what else listen to like Nad pod and I don't know what else. I've been listening to a lot of 40K uh, audiobooks, Warhammer 40K, (laughs) kind of like trash (laughs) pulp uh, audiobooks. Love it. Love Um, it. Yeah.
1: I was just listening to something that was referencing 40K and listening to the audiobook. Oh, I think it was Dungeons and Daddies. I think that's what it was. That somebody on their podcast also just like for their time alone listens to like 40k audiobooks in the car
2: yeah I mean it's, <laughs> it's you know I kind of have a love hate relationship with it I, I like a lot of things about that aesthetic but it's very problematic and also just a lot of it is not that good so. <laughs> you love to hate it <laughs> yeah yeah what, what what podcast do you all listen to I have to listen
1: to I... ours to oh. edit <laughs> Oh yeah,
0: right. (laughs) Um, But um, mainly after that, I watched a lot of This American Life, and I listened to. I did a little bit of Adventure Zone, but I, I can't. I don't know. Every time I listen to another like D and D esque podcast, I feel like, but you're not working on yours right now. And I'm like, okay, shut up, (laughs) shut up. You, I get it. It just it just gives you shame and guilt
2: to listen to other.
0: Yes, (laughs) there's no joy. It, it's it's like wow this is good and like Adrian you could be this good if you tried to listen and edit better I'm like <laughs> ah no in my head get out, <laughs> um, yeah and a couple of murder mystery stuff like which what it was it had a bunch of like celebs voicing them there's like RuPaul for oh. one of them I don't know it was like yeah, that's cool. yeah murder mystery because like I was working on trying to figure out how to make a murder mystery work in a and D esque thing so hopefully maybe mice and murderers will give me a little bit more ideas yeah Um,
2: totally so that uh man i that's i think it's going to be really i'm really excited to see it i was i watched all the taping of it remotely but it's a i think it's a really challenging um genre to do it's to sustain over a long period of time especially with improvisers who are kind of like building the world out with you it's it's uh anyway Brandon I think Brennan did a really good job on that so it'd be interesting to see how it all the final product Yeah I'm that excited because like murder
1: mysteries have to have that like sense of suspense and like how do you play with that timing of the suspense and then you know giving your players just enough because I I think that would make sense that like there has to be a better balance than you know we're just playing D and D and Okay, cool. Like here's this puzzle. But, like the fact that murder mysteries have that like, ooh, who done it.
0: Yeah. You know? The other thing in my head is like at any point if they they ask the right question and roll a Nat 20, is it all go up in flames or like Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing, you know. It's very interesting, you know, knowing what I knew about the that season beforehand and then as it You know i'm listening to the taping of it and being like oh i'm pretty sure he just made that up right there because that is definitely not a thing that we talked (laughs) about and uh you know but because you know he's getting in tight spots and uh and and doing what he does you know and and kind of just laying the, the train tracks right in front of the the train engine you know so to speak and and uh no,
0: I get that. You can't speak too much about it. It's understandable. Yeah, I know. I'm you're, sorry, so you're funny. like dancing around words, and I'm like, I got you. I'm figuring what you're putting down.
1: Yeah, but it's. I mean, it totally makes sense. Like, I mean, if you've if you've watched Dimension Twenty, if you play D and D, like watching those like storylines play out. I mean, that's. I don't know. That's. I think why I listen to a, a lot of it. I just. I think it's so interesting when you're like. Oh, you referenced that, like, three episodes ago. the callbacks.
0: The callbacks.
2: Yes, Yes, the The little small hints. Yeah, Yeah. I got something I'm I'm peppering into one of my uh, games right now that is going to be something that comes out way later, and uh, I picked up this module that's like, oh, you could pepper this into a campaign and, like, have these events happen, and the players think maybe that the event is associated, like, the power goes out, you know? It's like a sci-fi campaign. And they think maybe it's tied into whatever they're dealing with now, but they're going to find out that later that the power going out actually is related to this whole other thing. And you know what I mean? It'll have that callback, hopefully.
1: Yes. I'm here for it.
0: Same. I'm totally I lo- here
1: for
0: it. I love like <laughs> after session on world. 20- well, I have like a discord server, so they keep like speculating stuff and writing down. like, okay, I can only tell you as much as you've been given. I know everything, but I can't give it to you. <laughs> Uh Uh huh. And like, how do I like you're asking the right questions, but you didn't ask to him while the guy was alive?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, (laughs) exactly.
0: (laughs) You know, I'm having fun with that right now, doing this. Yeah, yeah,
2: right, with Curse of Strahd.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Just because, you know, one of my characters or my players has already played Curse of Strahd and is a DM, so I'm like, I gotta keep this fresh for him, I gotta make some stuff up. So I I was excited but to yeah. just add my own twist on it. Do you normally
2: run modules or do you do, like, homebrew stuff more commonly?
0: I've done a lot of homebrews back when I was in person. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it more. I, I was like, okay, here's the map. It's already in my head and I just draw it out very roughly. My handwriting is and drawing is atrocious. So i like, this is what <laughs> it looks like. This X is a fireplace. This square is chairs. So, like, when I was in person, I was able to, like, as soon as they enter a building and they want combat or there's combat about to happen, I'm able to like, like in my mind, I'm like, okay, just drop all of this down right now. So now in the time of Corona where I'm doing everything virtually, my drawing is even worse because I'm using a mouse. And sure. uh, so I just you, use the pre-rolled maps. Um, but slowly but surely I've been doing more modules mainly for the fact that I, it, there's, there's resources for that online. But if we get back in person, it's homebrew all the way.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I like, I like a mix. I like, I like modules because they just give me a structure to work from. And I like also having a lot of lore about like a, you know, ideally like a source book about a a particular setting, you know, or I guess maybe also it's like, I don't have a lot of time these days to like create all of that stuff, whole cloth, but, Mm -hmm. um, so I like having that lore, and then kind of jamming off of that. So it's like, okay, this, this is the module. These are the things that are happening and it has a, you know, beginning, middle and end, but they can totally just go, we could go like have noodles, space noodles, you know, over here and <laughs> meet some weird NPC. And that, you know, I love all that stuff too, but it, it kind of, so for me, it's like a mix is kind of the sweet spot, but.
0: Oh yeah. I, I mean, as of right now, I'm do, definitely doing a mix because sometimes I just feel like would that really happen? Or is, I mean, like, they, they put, like, a lot of depth into one character and not so much the other. Because they're like, this guy's going to die off. I'm like, no, he doesn't deserve to die. He's going to live. He's going to be the main evil guy. I'm like, So I have that going on with, like, this guy, I don't care how much backstory he has. He's going to die. <laughs> I always, totally. I try to twist the narrative because sometimes I just, like, I personally, I am not interested in what he's, what he has to offer to the campaign that I have currently. I'm like, this guy might, this unassuming guy might have a lot more than
2: everybody else that I've been talking about. <laughs> yeah. You got to honor the players, you know, mm-hmm. exactly. And, and what they're up to and, and their, their choices and stuff, which I think is maybe the most challenging part of it, but, but also probably the most rewarding is trying to like figure out what, is, how does this character's what's, you know, what's in this character's heart, you know, what are they going for? Yeah.
0: What is in a character's heart?
2: That is great. That's great.
0: That's the tile right there. The podcast.
1: <laughs> write it down.
0: Uh, I'm going to listen to it later. I literally said it. I'm going to edit this and find out. Oh, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. Oh, no. I had another one in my head for like sets, but a little pun with sets on it. But I forgot. I'm definitely going to write this down now. Okay. I'm just going to because I'm tough. Def- okay. All right, Alex, do you have any other questions? This is all just a blast. Um, I'm enjoying yeah, talking. Yeah, thank to you. you so much. And I just don't, yeah. I don't want to go too far because then I don't know when I can reel myself back in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I fangirled with the, the quick Google search and then realizing how amazing of a gift the not governor of Texas repair is to the world <laughs> and us.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that's, that's really fun
1: absolutely anything that you want to plug for our listenership
2: uh, not really if I, i'm you can find me on twitter i'm, I'm at uh, at richard h perry and yeah see uh see you in the comments
1: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why that was the instinct i'm sorry <laughs> uh adrian any last words from you
0: no 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 this is this has been a blast those are my last words i guess cool all right go ahead well
1: thank you everybody for listening real time today is trans day of visibility so we see you we love you and we're so happy you are here fuck all the bitches at the two people on this podcast well three people right now hopefully on this podcast (laughs) absolutely adore you and thank you for being you uh if your journey is not yeah fuck that jk what what the fuck have you been doing with your life ma'am anyways um (laughs) uh i don't know where i was going with that and i do know where i was going with that i got real real passionate if you're not on that journey we still love you and hopefully one day you will feel safe enough to be the person you are outwardly and we love you so thank you on the capitalism side, join us on our Patreon. <laughs> uh, we're putting out uh, uh, early episodes. We also have uh, one one shots uh, that we play with our players. You get to hear me do ridiculous voices. You get to play with our tortle sea bastion. I was going to say sea bass, but that was an inside joke that you probably wouldn't get which you would be able to if you were a Patreon supporter. Yay! Um, we are also opening up our Discord for everybody, so feel free to join us on our Discord. We're having conversations. I want to see everybody's pictures of dogs. That would make my life perfect. Um, find us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod. Reach out to us. We want to hear you and we love you. If you so inclined please rate us five stars on apple Podcasts or wherever you can rate podcasts that really will help us out if you rate us anything below five stars or anybody below five stars you will never have another creative day in your life
0: well thank you so much for listening my name's adrian and i'm alex go have some fun